0: All right, will you stand with me as we open God's Word to the Psalms? And if you'll open to Psalm 100, that will be the Scripture Chris is preaching out of this morning. If you're using a pew Bible in front of you, you can find Psalm 100 at the top of page 342. Again, the passage this morning is Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we get ready to enter into a new year, um, would You, through the power of Your Spirit, just make us thankful. May we be thankful that uh, You are our Creator and not the hands of man, Lord, that, uh, that we are Your people and that we are Your sheep, Lord, may we be thankful that we can enter into the gates that lead to Your courts, Lord, that we can come there with thanksgiving because of the... Uh, Sacrifice of your son Lord may we be thankful That you are good And that your mercies are everlasting And that your truth does Endure forever In his name we pray amen
1: Well amen I have a few more Christmas or New Year's Adam jokes but since uh, The teens didn't appreciate those I will move on But uh this is that uh, Sunday before New Year's Eve, and so uh, this has been that weird week that comes after Christmas and before New Year's, right? It's kind of a just a strange, uh, different week. Christmas is coming down, and the new year is rising up. Traditionally, this week is a time for making New Year's resolutions. How many of you don't do that at all? And we'll admit that. Okay, how many do do that? Okay, how many of you actually do what you intend to do? A little bit. All right, Nikki, that's good. A sign of hope. Well, look at this slide. Uh, these are the most common New Year's resolutions for 2018. Now, as you look at these, the top three is eat healthier, get more exercise, and save more money. There's no doubt that this poll was a poll of Americans, right? There's no no doubt about that. And uh, nothing wrong with making these kind of resolutions. They're, they made them in 2018, but I'm wondering now, on this Sunday, are they eating better, exercising more, and do they have more money in their savings account? Now, notice, though, at the bottom of this chart, a whopping 32% said they don't plan on making any New Year's resolutions at all. Now, perhaps they do that at some other time on their birthday or or some other significant point in their life. Maybe they're just disciplined all throughout the year. Man, that would be an awesome thing. I don't know. Maybe they're just lazy and apathetic. We don't know. I don't know. But here's what I do know about the new year. I know this. Lord willing, we're all going to enter in to the new year, right? Unless the Lord should come back uh, before tomorrow night. That would be a glorious thing, wouldn't it? Amen. Or perhaps we are not promised tomorrow. Life is a vapor. Perhaps the Lord might take us. Uh, we might not live to tomorrow evening. And that could be good if you know Jesus, but it would be bad if you don't know him. We're going to enter the new year though, whether we make resolutions or not, and we're going to enter the new year, whether we keep our resolutions or not. Entering the new year is really not up to us, but how we enter the new year is something that we are responsible for. We have no way of knowing What's gonna come this year? Any more than we had any idea what would have, what has happened already in 2018. But here's the thing that we can do. We can determine how we're going to enter the new year. And so let me ask you some questions. Have you set aside any time to think about how you're going to enter the new year? Have you spent any time in prayer asking God How he wants you to enter the new year. Have you given any thought to how God wants to use you to help others to enter the new year? Now, I don't know how you answer those questions. Maybe yes, maybe no, maybe not as much as I know I should. But however you answer those questions, the Lord has good news for us this morning in Psalm 100. There is good news as we enter the new year in Psalm 100, and here it is. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, keep them open to Psalm 100, because here's what we find. As people who know God, we should enter the new year with a deep awareness of His presence. We should enter the new year. If you know God and if you don't know God, if you're here this morning and you're not sure, you can enter the new year with a deep awareness of God's presence. Notice in verse 2 it says, come before him. And in verse 4, enter his gates. The idea here is carpe diem Corum deo. You may know carpe diem from the famous movie, right? Um, and carpe diem means seize the day. But if we just seize the day, if we seize the new year on our own, apart from the presence of God, it will not end well, just as it did not end well in that movie. But if you carpe diem coram Deo, if you seize the day in the presence of God, coram Deo is in the face or the presence of God, that's what we're being invited to. Come before him, enter his gates. But how do I know? How do I know if I'm doing that in the new year? How do I know if I'm living each day carpe diem coram deo? People who live with a deep awareness of God's presence have hearts filled with joyfulness and thankfulness. People who have a deep awareness of God's presence have hearts that are filled with joyfulness and thankfulness. Psalm 100 is a short powerful psalm that's always been one of my favorites i love reading it i love teaching it i love preaching it it's packed with joyfulness and thankfulness like a thanksgiving turkey or a christmas stocking and we're going to unpack that stocking and we're going to see what it means but to get into it i want you to give you three facts about the context about this psalm number one psalm 100 is a chorus To sing with others in public. It's a song. It's a chorus. It's a praise song. Everything in this psalm or this song is in the plural. This is not something we do alone. It's something we have gathered here this morning to do. Ironic that we're going to be looking at this psalm on a Sunday when churches are increasingly starting to cancel on this Sunday. To not worship on the last Sunday of the year. And and this is about coming together. It's in the plural. It says, come before him. More than likely, the first three verses were sung on the way to the temple. Then it says, enter his gates. The last two verses were sung once you were in the temple with his people. You see, here's the idea. The Bible knows very little about isolated personal praise. The vast majority of praise in the Bible, and that's true of the Psalms as well, is meant to be public and done in the presence of God and in the presence of God's people as you are here today. Secondly, it's not only a chorus, it's a command to obey by faith in the Lord. This psalm is a command. So it's not just a piece of poetry that you put up on your wall and look at it and feel good about it. It's not just a meme for Instagram. These these are commands, and there's seven commands here. Shout, serve, come, know, enter, give thanks, bless his name. And it's clear that there's only one way to obey these commands. We must know the Lord in a personal and intimate way. In other words... We obey these commands by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Look at verse 3. Know that the Lord himself is God. Know this intimately, personally. Every verse of these short five verses, every verse mentions the Lord. All caps in most of your Bibles, which is the, the name of Yahweh, the covenant God, the I am God that Pat prayed about. Uh, this morning and so every verse mentions it except verse 4 and verse 4 says bless his name whose name the name of the Lord Yahweh the I am God Third I want you to see not only is this a chorus not only is this a command but it's a call to all It's a call to worship the Lord whenever and wherever but especially when you enter into His presence with His people as we are assembled here this morning. Verses 1 through 3 is an invitation to come with a joyful heart, and verses 4 through 5 are an exhortation to enter with a thankful heart. But don't miss the big idea. Giving thanks is a call to worship. This is a call to worship the one true God Wherever you are, on the way, throughout the year, as you enter the year, but especially when you enter His presence with His people. Now, why do I say it's a call to all? Well, look at verse 1. It's an invitation to all the earth. It's an invitation to all people groups, all nations, all tongues. But keep in mind, too, that we are in the church age. And though they were entering the gates of a physical temple, we are now in the church age when the temple is the body and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 2, he said, my body is the temple and he has come and he has presented God in the flesh. That's what we just celebrated at Christmas. But also, once he went up, the spirit came down and indwelt God's people so that The local church is the temple. So right now, we are the temple of the presence of God as we are gathered here together. But it gets even better. The temple is now also every individual believer. Because when you accepted Christ and you went from unbelief to belief, the Holy Spirit came down, created a new heart, a new dwelling place for the presence of God. And so this is an opportunity... To, it's a call to all to worship God whenever, wherever, but especially when we are gathered as believers, and we are His temple, and we worship the I Am God. So, Psalm 100 is a call to all to enter God's presence with His people. But how do we do that? This psalm gives us two basic ways on how to enter God's presence. And in doing so, how to do it for the entire year. Number one, let's look at it. Enter to show our joyfulness. We enter to joy, show our joyfulness. We enter God's presence and we gather as God's people to show our joyfulness. So here's the first thing I want you to understand. We are commanded to show your joyfulness as you enter God's presence with his people. That's verses 1 and 2. So look there in your Bible, verses 1 and 2. Now, how do we show our joyfulness? Well, there's three ways in these two verses. We shout, we serve, and we sing. Okay, let's break it down. Let's look at it. Number one, shout joyfully to the Lord. Some of your, uh, Bibles say make a joyful noise. Well, the noise is the shouting part, okay? Shout joyfully to the, to the Lord. Now, how many of you shouted joyfully when the Royals won the World Series? Yeah, exactly, and you didn't just do that, right? You shouted, you shouted, it was like 6,000 people downtown. We shouted, we excited. You didn't have to be taught that. You didn't have to be told to do that. You had joy and you shouted, now, here we are in football time, right? How about those? Chiefs, right? I don't know. How about them? We don't know, right? But let me tell you, if they make it to the Super Bowl, it will be the grace of God, and we will shout joyfully. We will shout. We will be shouting this afternoon. But we are commanded here to shout joyfully as we enter the presence of our sovereign and great God. Isaiah 12.6 tells us this. Cry aloud. And shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Listen, we shouldn't have to be told this. We shouldn't even need to be commanded this. As believers in the great and awesome God, we ought to come and gather and shout for joy. Now that's why here at LifeBridge we periodically do what I call a holy shout in our congregational worship. So let's do a holy shout right now. So on the count of three, we're going to say, shout joyfully to the Lord. You can say it as loud as you want, and we're going to say it together. Shout joyfully to the Lord. One, two, three. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Man, that was good over there. Good, good, yeah. That's exciting. Listen, church, listen. There is power in that. There is power in that, it glorifies God, and it glorifies His greatness when we do it. Now, the second way to show our joy is not only to shout joyfully to the Lord, but to serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness, that's in verse 2. Serve here is translated worship the Lord in some of your Bibles, I think the NIV has worshipped the Lord. And the reason that is, is because the Old Testament often equates serving and worshipping. We need to remember that. We need to remember that. In fact, look at the rest of verse 2. It says, serving the Lord is equated and parallel to come before him with joyful singing. So here's the point. Worship is serving and serving is worshipping. And we are to do both with a joyful gladness. Now, here's what that means. That means the smallest act of service is an act of worship and a way of showing our joy to the Lord. So when the ladies fill each individual communion cup, when any piece of paper is picked up, when the grass is cut... All of these seemingly small and and often unseen acts of service are actually an act of worship. And because we carry the Lord into the workplace, we are commanded in the New Testament to worship while we work. Because all of that is an act of worship. But here's what it also means. It means that every act of worship, When we are gathered is an act of service and a way of showing joy to the Lord. Every act of worship, every praise song you sing, every prayer you join your heart to, every fellowship of one another that you do, all of that acts of worship is also an act of serving the Lord. And we're commanded to do all that with a joyful heart, overflowing with gladness. You see, we serve out of joy because we know God's greatness. And we worship out of joy because we know God's greatness. So here's the idea. We should have the same motivation in serving and worshiping, knowing the greatness of God. And we should have the same manifestation in serving and worshiping. And that is showing the joy of the Lord. So... As we enter to show our joyfulness by shouting and serving, the third way we show our joyfulness is this. We sing to the Lord with joyful singing. We shout, we serve, and we sing. We sing to the Lord. This is a command that's given to us as God's people. Look at the part, uh, last part of verse 2 in your Bibles. Come before Him with joyful singing. Now, God is asking, God is asking us, A a couple questions right now, and I want you to stop and think. Do you sing in church? If not, why not? Do you sing loudly in church? If not, why not? Do you sing joyfully in church? If not, why not? Now, these are answers, if we're going to apply these commands, we need to really ask ourselves, why, if I'm not doing these things, am I not doing them? Now, if the answer is, I can't sing very well, if the answer is, I don't feel like it, I can relate to all of that. Okay, I don't sing very well, but I do sing loudly, much to the irritation of my wife and my daughter. They say they can't hear themselves Sing. I said, well, sing louder like I do and you, and it'll be good. We'll make a joyful noise together. But I have times where I have sung at this church with my heart breaking. I have sung at this church with tears streaming down my eyes, wondering, how is this going to turn out? How am I going to make it? You can do that. And you don't have to make yourself do that. You do it because there is a joy in knowing the Lord that's deeper than any circumstance, than any inability to put two notes together. It can be done when you know the goodness and the greatness of our God. That's what this psalm is telling us. In fact, the New Testament tells us the same thing. In Ephesians 5, verses 18 through 20... We are given the evidence of the spirit-controlled life. And the major, one of the major evidences of a spirit-controlled life is this, speaking to one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God Even our Father. Now, what is the import of that verse? If that's the evidence of a spirit controlled life, then how we sing is one indicator of how much we are actually filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit and how well we know the greatness of our God. You see, this isn't about personal preference. This isn't about personality type. This isn't about ability to sing. This is about a spirit-filled, spirit-motivated joy that can't help but express the joy of the Lord in singing and doing so loudly and doing so joyfully. You Now listen, now please understand. I am well aware that you can sing loudly and not know God. Right. But those who do know God should always be singing and doing so loudly and joyfully, according to this song. Now, how loud and how joyful we sing is an indicator of how well we know the greatness of God. But you might be thinking, Chris, I still this is hard. I don't always feel joyful. I don't always like singing and I certainly may not like singing very loudly. Well, maybe you're stuck in a rut. Maybe you're just going through the motions when you come to church. That is easy for us to do. But Psalm 100 tells us what to do about inability, about hesitancy, about not being sure, about when we are down and depressed. Psalm 100 tells us what to do in verse 3. Look at verse 3. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Why do we show our joyfulness as we enter in spite of feelings, in spite of circumstance, in spite of ability? Why do we do it? Because we know God's greatness. We show because you know his greatness. You show Because, you know, you show because, you know, his greatness. Listen, the more we know of his greatness, the more we show our joyfulness with shouting, serving and singing. How can we know more of God's greatness? You're saying, I still need the help. How do I take practical steps as we enter the new year? How do I grow in this aspect of worship and serving the Lord? Here's how you can know. You know God's greatness by His revelation of Himself. You know more of God's greatness by getting into this book. The degree that you were in this book in 2018 is the degree that you grew in knowing His greatness. And the degree that this book kept shut, the degree that your app was turned off, The degree that you substituted social media for the sovereign Savior is the degree that you are lacking in joy this morning and the ability to rejoice with God's greatness. We know God's greatness by His revelation. Verse 3 gives us three important revelations of God's greatness. Let's move through these quickly. First of all, God is great Because the Lord is God and we are not. The Lord is God and we are not. Hey, you want to have a better year this year than last year? Every morning, wake up and say to the Lord, you are God and I am not. You are God and I am not. The Lord himself is God. And notice it's the Lord in all caps. The great promise keeper is God. The I am is God. Jesus, who said, I am the I am, is God. This is who is God. There aren't many gods. There isn't a variety. This isn't a religious buffet line which you can pick and take the God you want and reject the one. There's only one true God. The Lord himself is God, and we are not. Nothing will rob you more of your joy. Nothing will more rob you more of your joy than thinking and living like you are God and Jesus is not. And why is it that the Lord is God and we're not? Second, God is great because the Lord made us, not we ourselves. The Lord made us and not we ourselves. I don't know what accomplishments you may be proud of in this last year. But it, you give God the glory because there is no such thing as a self-made person in this room right now. No such thing as a self-made person. We, God made us and not we ourselves. And let me add, there's no such thing as a self-made Christian in this room. We don't make ourselves Christians. We don't become Christians by trying harder, cleaning up our life. We don't even become Christians by simply turning from our sin. We become Christians when we totally abandon all that we can do and put our total trust in all that Jesus has already done. And when we do that, He makes us a new creation. You see, in the beginning, God created all things out of nothing. He created us as humans out of the dirt of the ground. We're nothing but dust unless the breath of the life of God is breathed into us. But like Adam, we have all sinned, and so God has to recreate new life into us once again. And when he does, he makes us into his people. Back then, it was the nation of Israel, but now it's his body, the church. But Jesus is coming again to make Israel his people again and to join the nation with the body the church. And just like unbelieving Israel will one day dry raise up as dry bones and be resurrected, if you're here this morning as an unbeliever and you are dead and separated and lifeless apart from God, you have no hope, you're wondering where you're going, or you've had great success, but it's left you empty, God can make you new this morning. Amen. Because He makes us and not we ourselves. Third, God is great because the Lord saved us, not we ourselves. The Lord saved us and not we ourselves. God is great as our Savior. Notice, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. The Lord, first of all, we are His people. He is our Redeemer. We were in bondage to sin. We were in the slave market of sin. And no matter how many New Year's resolutions we made, we were still enslaved to the world, the flesh, and the devil. And then Jesus came and lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. And He died for our sins and was worthy and accepted by the Father in our place because we were unworthy bound in sin and then jesus shed his blood and paid the price to buy us out of the slave market of sin he paid the price to redeem us out of bondage we are his people amen and we are the sheep of his pasture he's not only our redeemer but he's our shepherd ruler Shepherds in the Old Testament are rulers. They are kings. Jesus didn't just forgive your sins. He recreated your heart, and he sits on the throne of the heart of every true believer. And we get our marching orders from him. He is our ruler. He calls the shots. That's why at the beginning of this message, I challenged all of us, including myself, have we talked about God of what he has for us in the new year? Have we talked to the Lord? Have we surrendered our plans? Have we given thanks for the way He's taken us through 2018? Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have faced difficult diagnosis. Some of you have parenting challenges. Some of you are parenting your parents, and those are challenges. Some of you have lost jobs and are still looking for jobs. Some of you have gotten a job, but you're not sure it's the job you want. All of that, we can give thanks that we have a shepherd and a ruler and a redeemer. And we can say this morning, if you have placed your trust in Jesus, we are the sheep of his pasture. Amen? Yes, this is good New, so we should shout with joy. So much of our sadness, so much of our sorrow, so much of our struggle comes from thinking and acting like we are God. And we forget how great God is and how small we are. But the opposite is true. Our joy begins to grow as we see the greatness of God and the smallness of us. And as we acknowledge that and start living like that. But listen, you're never going to get that without being in this book. So here at the beginning of the year, do you have a reading plan? Do you have a study plan? Do you have a study buddy? Are you going to be in a grow group so you can get the accountability? Are you going to come and learn more of this revelation in Discovery Hour, starting next Sunday. These are all ways to know, but there's a second way. A second way to know more of God's greatness, and it's this. We know God's greatness by our relationship with Him. We know God's greatness by our relationship. We see his greatness in revelation, and that calls us into a relationship with him by faith through grace alone. Do you, so notice it says, know the Lord himself is God. Know this in a personal, intimate. So let me ask you, do you know the Lord himself in a firsthand way? Not something handed down to you by your parents or your family. Do you know the Lord Himself in a personal way? Not something that's just religious ritual or you just come to church once a week, once a week, once a week. Do you know the Lord Himself in a gospel way? Not something that you have to work for. Not something where you keep trying to measure up. The greatness of God is known by the grace of God through faith alone in Christ alone. Now, maybe you can say this morning, Chris, I do know him. I do know Jesus in a personal, firsthand gospel way. And I shout joyfully if that is true of you. But I also ask you this, are you growing in your relationship with the Lord? Are you growing in that relationship? You see, growing in that relationship is hard work. It's like growing your marriage. It's like parenting your kids. It takes preparation. It takes time. It takes involvement. It takes talking. It takes listening. It takes trusting. It takes loving. It takes working through things with the Lord. So knowing God's greatness comes through a growing intimate relationship. So here's what I want you to see. When you know Christ and grow in Christ, that's your source of joy. And when that's your source of joy, you begin showing that by singing, shouting, and serving. So the new year is a call to all to enter God's presence and show our joyfulness. And we show because we know. We show because we know. But there's a second way we are to enter God's presence, and it's this. And it's in the last two verses of the psalm. Enter to share our thankfulness. So we show our joyfulness, but we also enter to share our thankfulness. So look at the first, uh, first point of this. Share your thankfulness when you enter God's presence. Show your joyfulness when you enter with God's people but also share your thankfulness when you enter with God's people. Now, how do we do this? Well, verse 4 tells us we enter, we express, and we exalt. This is how you share your thankfulness. Let's break it down. Number one, enter the presence of the Lord and his people with thankful praise. Now, once again, here's some tough questions, all right? Here's some tough questions based on what God is asking us. Do we come to church on a consistent basis? If not, why not? Do we come to church on a consistent basis with a thankful heart? If not, why not? Because here's the command. Enter, enter His gates with thanksgiving. How often we come and how we come when, when God's people assemble, okay, how often we come and how we come are indicators of how much we realize God cares for us in his goodness. I don't know how to say it any different. Look at the verse. Look at the verse. Here's the point. The Bible doesn't separate being thankful for the goodness of God from coming to church to share that goodness with Him and His people. So we enter out of thankfulness. We go through the week and we see God providing. We see our Redeemer at work. We see our shepherd ruler guiding, protecting, warning, even disciplining us. And then we enter together with God's people today and we go, Oh, I'm so thankful that my God is not only great, but He is good. And then when we come, number two, we enter with thankfulness to express our thanks to God. To express our thanks to God. Notice verse 4 ends with, give thanks to Him. Give thanks to Him. Now, how do we do this? I've given to you in your notes and up here on the screen a simple way of summarizing all the Psalms. A simple way of describing giving thanks to God, and I can't teach you, you know, take you all through it, it's really quite simple. Describe how great God is in his mighty attributes. You say, well, how do I know his attributes? I get in here. If you listen to social media, God has one attribute, love. You get in here, God has dozens upon dozens of attributes, and the greatest of all is his holiness holy, holy, holy. Is he loving? Yes. Is he just? Yes. Is he forgiving? Yes. Is he trustworthy? Yes. Is he wrathful? Yes. Does he judge sin? Yes. Does he abound in mercy? Yes. These are the attributes And we express thanks to God when we express back to him these majestic attributes. But we add to that. We not only describe who he is, but we declare how good he is in his mighty acts. So you describe who he is and you combine that with declaring what he has done in your life. And that is expressing thankfulness to the Lord. And listen... If we're walking with him during the week, every Sunday we should come and we should know, boy, this attribute of God stood out this week. Oh, I saw God move in my life. And I'm not talking about the extraordinary. I'm talking about the ordinary. I'm talking about he helped me make it through one more day. I'm talking about he enabled me to get up this morning. I'm talking about, I was able to not yell at my kids today for five minutes. Mighty act. And we should give thanks. And guess what? When you start recognizing those ordinary acts and giving him praise for that, the five minutes becomes ten minutes of not yelling. And the ten minutes becomes thirty minutes of instruction instead of getting down and criticizing. Now, when you enter with thankfulness and you express thanks, then number three, that's when you exalt the name of the Lord. That's how you exalt the name of the Lord. Bless his name. That means exalt his name. We make much of God because of who he is. He is great. We make much of God because what he does. He is good. And that's how we exalt his name. Now... God blesses us by bestowing good on us. We bless God by praising the good that he does. So God blesses us in his mighty acts through his majestic attributes, and then we bless him by declaring and describing his greatness and declaring his goodness back to him. And in that, there is a culture, an atmosphere of joyfulness and thankfulness, not only when we gather as a church, but Christians, it should be that way in your homes as well. Not always, not perfectly, but it ought to be that way. Again, you might be thinking, how do I do this? I don't have anything to say. I don't know what to say. Well, here's the good news. It's found in verse 5. Share because he cares In his goodness. Share because he cares in his goodness. Know, show because you know, share because he cares. Do you got it? Show your joyfulness because you know his greatness. Share your thankfulness because of his goodness to you. Look at verse 5. For the Lord is good. Now you just, when you read that, you need to say it that way. For the Lord is good. In fact, you ought to turn to your neighbor and say, the Lord is good. Go ahead, do that. Turn to your neighbor. The Lord is good. And if they don't say it back, say it to them again. The Lord is really good. Okay? The Lord is really good. Now, listen to me. Verse 5 tells us, see, Verses 1 through 3 say he is God. And it's great to know that there is a God, but it's frightening if you don't know what kind of God he is. Well, in verses five, 4 and 5, we find out that he is a good God. There is a God, and he is good. In fact, we could say with our African brothers, God is good all the time, and... So let's look at that. Let's look at that. Number one, God is good all the time. Why? Why can we say that? Is that just something we say in church, but it doesn't live out in the real world? Why do we know that God is good all the time? Well, look at verse 5. For the Lord is good. God is good all the time because that's who he is. God is good, period. Are you with me? God is good, period. Why is God good all the time? It's His character. It's it's His nature. You can never doubt the goodness of God. You can, but you shouldn't, because God is good all the time. You say, I can't see it. I'm not feeling it, Chris. It doesn't seem that way for what's going on in my life, but understand this, the Lord is good. God is good all the time. Why? Why? Because He is the Lord. All caps, He is the great I Am. He is the promise keeper. He is the God who will be there when you need Him to be, not a moment sooner. He is the God who will rescue you when no one else can. That's why He is good. God is still good when He allows cancer to eat up our bodies. God is still good when He allows the womb to be barren. God is still good when he allows a precious baby to miscarry. God is still good when a loved one dies or a marriage falls apart. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good all the time because he is the Lord, the great I am. But the other half of that is true. All the time, God is good. All the time, God is Good. Now, why is that? Look again at verse 5. Verse 5 tells us why all the time God is good. All the time God is good because His loving kindness never ends. Woo! Some Bibles have mercies. It's the loyal covenant love. Once you've entered into the covenant relationship with Jesus by the blood of Jesus Christ, faith in His resurrection, faith in what he has done, you enter into a covenant relationship in which Jesus will loyally love you through thick and thin. Isn't that glorious? God is good all the time because his loving kindness never ends. It's everlasting. It's everlasting to those who know him. And if you want more on that, read more of the Psalms. Secondly, all the time, God is good Because his faithfulness never fails. His faithfulness never fails to all generations. See, isn't it good that Yahweh's revelation of himself, his redemption, his rule, his kingship, that's not just something for the Exodus. That's not just something for the Old Testament. That's not something just for the Gospels. That's not just something for the book of Acts. That's something for you and me in our times. Is that not good news? Have you looked at our times? Have you looked at what we're headed for as a nation and as a culture? It's good news to know that God's good all the time. And say it with me, all the time God is good. So don't waste a chance. So listen, listen. I know you put your notes by, but here's what I want you to understand. Life Bridge? We have something to shout about. Show joy because you know his greatness. Share thankfulness because you know he cares in his goodness. This is a God's call to all. And here's what I want you to understand. That as you enter the new year with a deeper awareness of his presence, by being in this book, by gathering with God's people, You will see more of the greatness of God. You will experience more of the goodness of God. And when you know more, you will grow more. And as you grow more, you will show more of the joy and thankfulness that this world needs to know. And so what we need to do today is go. This is what our church is about. Know, grow, show, and then go to all the world and say, This is my great God. See my joy. This is my good God. Listen to my thankfulness and say, don't you want to know him? Don't you want to know him? But I fear, I fear for us that maybe we're not showing the joyfulness and the thankfulness that we really ought to, because just maybe we don't really know God, the Lord himself, Or we know Him, but we're not growing in our relationship. So, with your heads bowed and with your eyes shut, I want you to think about this poem Another Year. Another Year is dawning, dear Father, let it be, in working or in waiting, another year with Thee. Another Year of Progress, another Year of Praise. Another year of proving thy presence all the days. Another year of mercies, of faithfulness and grace. Another year of gladness, the glory of thy face. Another year of leaning upon thy loving breast. Another year of trusting, of quiet, happy rest. Another year of service, of witness for thy love. Another year training for holier work above. Another year is dawning. Dear Father, let it be. On earth or else in heaven. Another year for thee. Father, we come. And I pray that we will think through. Do we need to know you. In a personal way. And cross from doubt into trust. To cross from running from you to running to you. Lord, maybe we need to grow. Commit to a grow group. Commit to discovery hour. Commit to growing in our relationship and learning this revelation. Lord, maybe we need to commit to showing, getting involved, taking the new members class. Lord, I don't know what it is, but Lord, I know we all need to commit to going and sowing with gospel abandonment. Father, as we listen, as we pray, may we respond to you this morning in the way that you have spoken. Let's respond to the Lord as they.